0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. You sound much quieter today because only half of you are here because the other half are still trying to park. Fifteen. Okay. You're going to need to know that number, 15. That's coming up here in a second. Um, I wanted to say something because this is, um, I woke up this morning and actually this, the few days leading up to this Sunday and I realized this is the last time probably ever, we never say never and things could change, but this might be the last time that we do Sunday morning like we're doing it now. And for me, that's hard because like, you, you know, oh, wait, why are we changing things? And um, so it's not just hard for you guys, just so you know, it's hard for everyone, but we're doing it, as we've been saying over and over again, um, f- because we're a church for people and go to church, and for the people outside of here, that we're making that decision for that, and we're making it, that decision for those that have started to make branches their home, and it's been very easy to kind of drift into the background, and that's not who we are. There's plenty of communities that you can do that on if you just can't. Um, Get yourself to be in community, which means doing life together and being known and people knowing you and you knowing them. Um, So I want to pray for us because next week everything changes in terms of how we do things, but not why we do them. So starting next week, um, we have 8.45 and 10.30. We're trying out those times for a couple months, um, and then we may switch it, we may not. But I want to pray for us um, because I need it. So I'm going to pray for you also. Let's pray. Father, um, it is our intent that everything we do, we want to do to be obedient to you. And so we believe this is what you're calling us to as a leadership team. And so, Father, we want to walk behind you. And um, something that makes us feel like it's from you is because it's something that we don't really want to do. Because we just want to do things for ourselves and do what's convenient or comfortable. And this is definitely outside of the comfort zone. But, Father... uh, we want to do whatever we do as an offering to you, not because you require it, but because we want to. So may this be honoring to you. Uh, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, 15. That number's very significant because 15 Fridays, is that what we said, 15 Fridays from now? 15 Fridays from now, it's Christmas. Yeah. I think the girls just did woo and I saw the dudes. I just kind of heard this. Ugh, uh, uh. Okay, so this is the passage we're going to go through this morning, Luke chapter two, verse eight. And you unfortunately only ever hear this passage during Christmas, which is should not be the case. So Luke uh, two eight through twelve, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. just want to make sure you understand the context, because it's not Christmas, and so maybe you're not in the mode, you're not in the mood. There's a baby, and there's these shepherds, and they are accosted, so to speak, by these angels, and they naturally, whenever you come face to face with angels, become afraid, so if you're wondering if you've ever seen an angel, if you're afraid, there's a chance. If not, wasn't an angel. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, or the Christ. That's what Christ means, Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So why would we go through this passage today? Well, it's not Christmas. It's kind of like when we take the Easter passages and we try to do them outside of Easter so that you can kind of hear it in a different way because you get in the mode and then you're like, oh yeah, the Christmas story, and you go on autopilot and you miss what that means. And this message is not just for Christmas. The angels didn't come and say, hey, for you at this time of year, every time we come to tell you, no, this is like for every day, every minute of every hour of every month for all time and what is it that you don't have to be afraid I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people and what is it that a savior has been born to you I'm sharing this this morning because I believe that our community of faith although only half of you are here you're the half maybe that needs to hear this and the other half need to hear on the podcast but that you have the opportunity to be saved, that there is a Savior, and he came because we are a mess, and we know that internally. We usually don't need people to tell us that. We know that, but so last Sunday, I'll give you some more background on why we're doing this this morning. So um, I didn't have to do anything. In fact, I thought I was going to be MCing or doing something, and Jared just said, no, why don't you just not do anything? And, you know, so I just sat there, and I was in the back. And when you're in the back, you get to see everybody else. And um, I was reminded of something. I was reminded that so many of you are entering in, and you feel like you're entering into the presence of God. And yet when you come in, I can see the look on your faces and your posture. You you look ashamed. It's the same look that I got from my dog this morning. I walked downstairs, and our dog we usually put in the crate. I don't want to spend too much time on the dog because you guys hear about this dog too much. It's unfortunately a big part of my life. And this dog is out in the crate. And then so last night Steph felt bad, so she let the dog through the house. And so I'm coming downstairs, and as I'm walking downstairs, (laughs) Ginger, the dog, is down really low and like cowering in the corner because the boss is coming down. And so whenever she does that, like I know, oh, okay, what's wrong? So I immediately go into the garage to see what she shredded up or to see what things she pulled off the counter or but she knows she knows when she's doing something she's not supposed to do. She's a dog, she's only one year old. But yet when she crosses the line, like she knows. And the reality is, as a community of faith, and we, we try to be as transparent as possible. We mess up all the time. And this is not a secret, and this is not a mystery. And we need to place it out before and become face to face with that reality. Why? Because then we can come before God and really look at this and have joy. To know this is good news of great joy that will be for all people. That a Savior has been born to us, for us, because we needed that. My dog needs a Savior, I need a Savior. Now, we're not going into animal theology here, okay? I'm trying to push that to the side, but I'm trying to make that connection for you because when I come in on Sundays sometimes, I can see people, and it's that look like, I don't belong, I shouldn't be here. Or, what's God think of me? In fact, that's what keeps so many people from coming here. You need to know that, that so many of our friends and family that don't come to church, they don't come not because they don't want Christ. It's because they feel like, what's he going to think about me? That's one of the major things that gets in the way. They feel like God is not for them, but he's against them. And what do I have to do? I don't want to be face-to-face with that reality that I've fallen short. The word sin is one of those words we throw around. And I want to make sure we hit that before we move on here. Because if you hear anything this morning, I want you to hear this. That God came to save us, not to condemn us. That is clear all through Scripture. In fact, that's always my problem. Anyone that ever communicates from up front here, it's not that we don't have enough to say. It's what am I going to keep out? What am I going to cut out? That's what it usually is. And there's so much scripture, there's so much life experience, there's so much that reiterates this, but I had to shrink it down. And so when I shrink it down, I want you to hear this from Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And when you hear this right here, when the angels came up, they said, Don't be afraid. Because when God shows up, oh no, what I do wrong? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I was going to highlight and capitalize that, but I felt like I didn't want to mess with the word of God, so I didn't do it. So I didn't do it this time. But all, it's for all of us. And the reality is, to bring that even more home and to make that more real, we all know that we are surra- And if you don't know this, I'll let you know. You are surrounded by people that right now are probably still high. You are surrounded by people that last night got so wasted that they still smell of alcohol. This is for them also. There are people right now that are in the midst of having an affair. Or there are people that have had an affair and they still can't forgive themselves. There are people that are considering suicide. Or they considered it last week. Or they have a plan for this next week, and they feel like when they, there's no way they could be in this, and when they come in, your shoulders just kind of drop, and you you bend over because it couldn't be for me, because God, what do I have, I'm not good enough. This is what's going on inside of me. This is what I've done. This is what I saw on the computer screen this past week. This is what I know I'm going to see next week, because I can't seem to kick this addiction. Or maybe there's someone that you know you just hate you can't stand them and you will not forgive them and you don't want to think about forgiving them and you don't even want to be in the presence of God because you know that's what he's going to bring up first. And you're like, "Mm mm-mm, we're not going there. And so maybe when you come into the presence of God instead of cowering, instead you just get like this. I'm going to get stronger and bigger because I can handle this. I'm not doing that. Because you don't, you know, but you know you crossed the line. You know that you got off the path. That's what sin is. While we were yet sinners though, Christ died for us. And that word sin, I wish that we could just redo the English language and put in new words because just like this always being at Christmas, we miss the meaning of what sin is. And sin is always gonna be right next to us because this is what it means. This is what the biblical definition of sin means. Giving you all the different ones. The one you always hear is missing the mark. We'll go back to that one in a second. Deviating from the path, right? So you know there's a path and when you go off of it, it's that sense where you know I'm here and I know I'm supposed to be here. Overpassing or crossing a line. Disobedience to a voice. like you, That's sin. Disobedience to the voice. Falling where one should be standing up. Love that one. Or ignorance of what one should have known. And the one that's typically used is missing the mark because in Greek, which is where we're getting this word sin from, it's in the Old Testament, Hebrew also, but we're going to focus on it in Greek. Um, In Homer, it's used hundreds of times because they've got their warriors with their spears and every time they went to throw their spears, so often it would say they amartia, which means they sinned. So they throw their spear and they sinned, not because they were throwing the spear to kill someone, that wasn't the sin. It was when they didn't kill the person and it went offline that it was a sin. So it's like sing. So if you want to know how to remember it, that's how it is. If it goes, then you got it right on target, right? But if you throw it and you miss, sing, that's what it is. And you know that when you're just supposed to be here, but you're here. And I know that we're supposed to battle this. I know that God also came to to save us from our sins. But I don't want to talk about that this morning. I don't want us talking about stopping those behaviors. I'm not going to focus on that this morning. That's for a separate time. But what I want you to hear is that God is for you and not against you, no matter what you do. And I have this sense that as the people of God that we don't fully understand that. And if we don't fully understand that, how is the world going to know? If you don't fully understand that God is for you and he doesn't keep a checklist and he doesn't cross his arms and give you that look all the time, if you don't know that, how is the world going to know that from you? Or another way to say is you're way too hard on yourselves because you don't know how God is. And I want us to look at how God defines himself. And he has to do it over and over again because it's almost like we don't believe him. So I want us to look at Hebrews chapter two. We're gonna look at Hebrews. Then we're gonna take a little side tour into Luke because Hebrew takes us there. And then we'll finish with another passage in Hebrews. So I keep looking over here because we sometimes have a screen there but we don't because I was the one that wanted to move it because I just feel so bad that you don't have that view and it just kind of kills me. So we're going to give it a shot. So anyways, Hebrews 2. The writer of Hebrews is, is talking about Jesus, trying to communicate. And so he says this, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service To God okay notice this is for this reason he had to what do you mean you had to like think about that like must should it has to happen Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters like humanity why going back to Luke chapter 2 he said a savior has been born to you for all people and the method of salvation is that he had to become like us In every way. Let that sink in for a second. In every way, God was made like you. Now, Jesus did not sin. We know that. But in everything else, he was like us. You woke up this morning, your knees hurt. The dude was like 32 years old. He walked everywhere, he had sandals. He did not have Nikes with nice little cushions. He woke up and he probably had sore knees. He knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to have cousins and uncles and brothers and sisters. He knew what it was to have annoying people in his life. He knew what it was like to be human. Do you know that? And yet he went through all of that on purpose. He had to. Why? And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. I know it doesn't seem likely, but it's straight out the truth that Jesus was tempted with everything that you've been tempted with. He knew what it was to be human. That's a big deal. Because when we walk in like my dog, so to speak, and we just feel like, God, no, he's not going to understand, like, or... There's no way I could even make eye contact with him. You know when someone's gone through something you've gone through, it changes everything. When someone has lost a child or when someone gets cancer or when someone has a kid going to junior high for the first day, you go find someone else that's been through it. And they look at you and they nod and they go, yeah, I know. And then you guys have this immediate connection. God has that connection with you. He knows. The son of God knows what it is to be tempted in every way. So why go through all this? That he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, that word, you can, I, I could have used, in, used different um, translations and there's different words that are used. But I want to use that word atonement. And it appears somewhere else in that very same form in Greek. It won't look like that in English. But it comes in another form just like that. And I want to talk about what atonement for the sins really means. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to Luke, and uh, let's go to Luke right now. We're going to go to Luke chapter 18, and um, it starts in verse 9, so if you want to follow along in your Bibles, um, Luke 18, 9. Um, do we even pass out Bibles? Did I even say that? If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and an usher in the back will bring you one. So Because um, we want you to be able to look at the Bible. If you don't have one, steal ours, make it yours, and then it's not stealing because we told you to take it. So... This is where we're going to get to. But Jesus shares this story. And in this parable, as he's trying to describe how the kingdom of God works, how he views us, how God views us, he shares this. He says, to some of the people here who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said that two men went up to The temple, which is the church. It's where everybody came. They would have synagogues where everyone would locally meet. But the temple was like the big daddy church for all of Israel. And so he said that two people came up to the temple. And one of them um, thought he was all that. And the other one did not think that way. The one that thought he was all that was a Pharisee. And he stood by himself and this is what he prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like robbers, or evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector, because the guy that came in all humbled and broken, the guy that was cowering, I guess, maybe, but it was visible, he looked at that man and said, thank God that I'm not like him. Literally, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. So this guy was generous, he gave 10% of everything away, and He fasted twice a week because he was spiritual, right? He was was fasting so that he could become closer with God. And he had that like a badge. But then Jesus says, but the tax collector, he stood at a distance. Let that sink in for a second. Stood at a distance. That's what we do when we don't feel close enough. That's when we, that instinct kicks in. Like after church, sometimes that instinct kicks in to run because I don't belong. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Or um, like when you walk into a classroom and... You walk in and you're like, I don't know what's going on. So you sit in the back, hoping that no one will notice, especially the teacher. I know I'm bringing attention to the people in the back row right now. I don't know if that's why you're in the back row, but that's what we do, right? We want to distance ourselves from that which makes us feel uncomfortable. And so this man, who as we've talked about many times in this particular culture at this time, he is known as a thief, a thief to his own people. He's called a tax collector, but at this time he's a thief, and he's abandoned his family and his friends and he's alone. And so when he is in the presence of God, when he comes to be in the presence of God, he doesn't feel worthy to be there. And this is what he says. He was beating his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, the word there is God have mercy on me. That's the same exact word that is used in Hebrews 2, atonement. So what are we trying to hear in Hebrews? What are they trying to say? The same thing that this man is trying to say here in Luke chapter 8. This is what that word means. It means, please remove the barrier from me to you. Because as this man is sitting in there, he knows there's a barrier. And in English, like, we don't have a word that represents that, so we always try to take words and make them kind of work, but... God, remove this barrier between me and you. And if we go back, could you go back to the other um, passage? In Hebrews 2, it says that Jesus came. Why? To remove the barrier between us. So atonement for our sins, meaning when you sing and when we know where we're supposed to be and we're not there, nobody needs to tell us we know we've left the path. We know we probably should be standing and we were sitting down or when we were sitting we were supposed to be standing. The thing that we want to do, we don't seem to be able to do and the things that we do we want to stop doing. That feeling is the same thing that that Pharisee's feeling, I mean not the Pharisee but the tax collector, he's down there, he's like, just can you, there's a barrier between me and you, will you please remove this? Because I feel that there's a barrier between us, please have mercy on me, that's what that means, have mercy on me by letting me be closer with you. Because I know that I don't belong. That's why Jesus came. So that that could be granted. And that's why Jesus says here about this man, he says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home right before God. It's understandable for us to feel this way. It's understandable for us to feel like we are separated from God. That's normal. But what's not normal is to know that God has said, you are not separate. I have bridged the gap. You just have to walk over it. I've done it. It's done. That's why I came. Do not be afraid. I bring good news of a great joy that a Savior has been born to all people today. All. And yet, we don't really believe this that's the reality that's why I wanted so badly to go through this because I'm thinking we don't really believe this I sit in the back and I can see it sometimes even standing here and seeing your faces there's that sense that no I I, it couldn't be for me there's no way like it doesn't make sense right like when I walked downstairs today and the dog was cowering and I actually petted the dog you see Ginger going wait what's going on what is going on like the dog was confused because the dog knew that it, it earned punishment and yet didn't receive it. Do you know? Do you know in the deepest part of you that God is for you and not against you? Jesus came to save us from our sins. However, I want to make sure that you hear this morning that God came for your sins, to take care of that, to remove the barrier. It is done. There's nothing that you can do. There's no dance you could do. There's no special words you could do. There's no amount of money you could give to earn that. It's already been done. Finished. I heard this pretty cool thing on Facebook. You know how you get the Facebook thing and you get all detoured and you go down and and yeah, I know. It's one of those things where it feels like, sing, like I shouldn't be in Facebook right now, this is a waste of time, I should be doing other stuff. And then if you follow the route, and of course, you follow the route towards like the dancing cat, when you know you should probably go to the spiritual route, you know, oh, you should see this video, it's very powerful. Yeah, but the cat's dancing. So I actually made a detour to one of those little detours, it was pretty awesome. And it was talking about the tomb. Again, I know it's not Easter, but we're going to talk about Jesus in the tomb. And something could be easily missed. I did just say easily, right? <laughs> you guys all caught that? Yeah, okay. It's one of those days. School started for the kids and Steph on Thursday, so nothing's all quite here yet. And in this description in Facebook, this, this person was sharing something I had never knew, but made perfect sense. In the tomb, when they came back, the sheet was folded. You look at that and you're like... Why? But you don't really care. You move on. But to someone at that time, it would stick out. Because when you had servants and they were um, coming to clean up your food, so if you had servants or if you were in an environment where there was one, if, um, if you were to take your stuff and leave it all crumpled, so if you took your napkin and you left it crumpled and they came to clean your plate off, they would just take it because you crumpled The napkin, right? You crumpled the little cloth. They didn't have napkins. They had cloth. So you crumpled the cloth, which means, oh, you're done. But if you were to take your cloth and fold it, when they came to clean up your plate, they go, oh, no. I can't do that because they're coming back. Do you know that? Do you know that he's coming back? And do you know he's coming back because we belong to him? Because he's created that lack of a barrier. You're with him now. You have permission to be in the presence of God now. You don't have to walk in with your your shoulders slumped. You can walk in confidently. Hebrews goes on to say this in chapter 4. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize. Which means he understands with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I want to make sure I repeat that because if you don't hear anything, I want you to hear this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I want to invite the worship team up because I'm, they're going to lead us in, in prayer and they put music to those prayers and you're welcome to sing along with them or you're welcome to just sit and absorb it and uh, the music is going to go a little longer this morning than usual on purpose to give us more time to sit before God and to hear his voice, to hear his voice telling you that he came for your sins. That he is for you and not against you. And we don't believe that until we hear it from him. So there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to get that across. I could go through the hundreds of scriptures that back that up. I could give example after example in life that God has given evidence of this. But there's nothing that's going to replace you being face to face with him. And I want you to know that you can leave justified, that you can come with confidence to the throne of God and not in fear, that you can know that God wants you to come near, and that's why he came. That's why Jesus came. Think about it. Did he really have to come? Hebrews is saying this is why he came, and he had to come, and this is why he had to come like this. And so during this worship, typically we'll give you guys the opportunity to stand, um, It seems more appropriate for this morning to say, let's start sitting. If any time you want to stand, of course. But let's start sitting. Let's imagine that, that tax collector, that thief, that thief, just like me, who's just sitting before God. And maybe you can hear Jesus behind you talking to somebody else and saying, seeing that person, they're going to leave justified. Because I came with good news of a great joy for all people. I came to save them from them going off the path. Let me pray for us. Father God, my words, I'm realizing they fall short in my own head to what this means. So Father, we surrender to you, to your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us as a group, not just individually, but as a group. You come to us as a people. We ask that you would speak your word. That this word of God would actually find its root in our heart. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Um, At any time this morning, and I know it could happen tomorrow or the next week, but it can happen this morning. If you haven't made that decision to accept this gift from him, it's there for you. It's already been done. All you have to do is accept it. God, I accept this. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You just have to accept it.